0: Hello, and happy Tunes Day. My name is Francis and I love music. Love it. And movies. Movies and music. And the music used in movies. And TV. I'm the friend who notices the music used in the media constantly, to the point that my friends think of me if and when they notice it themselves. So I'd like to welcome you to my podcast, Needle Drops That Will Change Your Life. What is a needle drop? I'm glad you asked. Wikipedia defines a needle drop as the use of an existing recording rather than an original score in a film. I'd also add television or honestly any other form of media, video games, movie trailers, and more. For example, any of the songs I discuss on this very podcast. Why should you care about my thoughts on needle drops? Well, I'm a great person, obviously, but other than that, being a music supervisor is my dream job. But I'm stuck in Texas where there aren't a ton of opportunities for me to get into that industry, so I'm dipping my toe into the world of podcasting to discuss the incredible work that music supervisors do. What exactly do they do? Well, let me tell you. According to the Berkeley College of Music, music supervisors artfully select and license pre-existing songs and recordings for use in movies, television shows, and video games. Today, we're picking up right where we left off with the Guardians of the Galaxy, as they work together to save their best friend Rocket. It is the newest Guardians entry on Disney+, Plus as of two weeks ago, so go ahead and watch it if you haven't seen it yet. I timed this pod perfectly for this very reason. I'll be here waiting. Saying goodbye is hard. We've all had to, unfortunately, do it at some point. I learned early on in life that dance parties always help that pain, and today's Needle Drop teaches that to some of our favorite MCU characters in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Music supervisors and coordinators on the movie Dave Jordan, founder and CEO of Format Entertainment. Format has grown into the largest collection of theatrical and television music supervisors in the world. Format's clients are some of the most recognizable names in entertainment media. Advertising and consumer brands including names such as Marvel Studios, Warner Consumer Products, and Spin Master. Format has been Marvel Studios' exclusive music department since 2000, having worked on all 32 films and all nine Disney Plus shows, playing an integral role in universe-building since inception. In addition, Format has worked on campaigns for brands such as Mattel's iconic Barbie and Spin Master's global sensation, Paw Patrol as well as Netflix, ESPN, Amazon, T-Mobile, and many others. Dave Jordan began his career working for record labels, but soon transitioned to become one of Hollywood's most sought-after theatrical music supervisors. Dave's success has ranked him as the top-grossing music supervisor in film history. He serves on the Los Angeles Board of Governors for the Grammy Committee, contributing to advocacy, education, and human service programs to improve the cultural condition and quality of life for music and its makers. He recently received an NAACP Image Award for his work on Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. Raven Davenport is a music coordinator at Format Entertainment. She is a gifted and classically trained clarinetist and has always been fascinated by the way music enhances the art of storytelling. Recent projects include working on the multicultural or original soundtrack for Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, featuring the Oscar nominee for Best Song, Lift Me Up by Rihanna. She also co-supervised Netflix's Love in the Villa, the Italian rom-com for which Raven was nominated for a Guild of Music Supervisors Award. She's also worked on an array of exciting high-profile TV series made by Marvel Studios for Disney+, Plus, including She-Hulk, Miss Marvel, Hawkeye, and Loki. She is also co-supervising the upcoming second season of I Am Groot, a group of animated shorts starring Baby Groot. We also have Andrea Regine, Regina Reyes. I probably totally butchered her name and I apologize. Her primary job is post production coordinator for Marvel Studios. And according to her public Instagram that I may have stalked a little bit, she recently started pulling double duty as a music coordinator for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 and Secret Invasion. So today we are discussing the fantabulous Needle Drop Dog Days Are Over by Florence and the Machine. This is the first band we're discussing that I have personally seen live. And if you enjoy any of florence's music i highly recommend you go see them live they are fantastic florence welsh has so much energy and is just like a fairy dressed in gucci running around barefoot and it is such a vibe dog days are over is a song by english indie rock band florence and the machine from their debut album lungs released in 2009 the song was inspired by a giant text installment titled Dog Days Are Over by artist, I'm going to butcher this and I apologize, Ugo Rondinone, Rondinone, U-G-O-R-O-N-D-I-N-O-N-E, which Florence Welsh used to see every day riding her bike over Waterloo Bridge. She went on to say it's a reference to the Dog Star Sirius, when it was closest to the earth, the animals would get languid and sleepy, and then when it moved away they 'd also wake up. The catchy tune is about finding happiness and realizing that there will be a light at the end of the tunnel. no matter what hardships we are facing, we will reach a point when the dog days are over, and the struggles will all be in the past. I think that's something everyone can relate to on December sixth, two thousand and eight Dog days are over debuted at number 89 on the UK singles chart. And on January 15th, 2010, Dog Days Are Over entered the Irish singles chart for the first time, reaching a peak of number 35. This was the third top 40 hit for Florence in Ireland. Following the performance of Dog Days Are Over on the 2010 MTV Video Music Awards, the track sold 96,000 digital downloads, which signified a 257% increase over the previous week, and leaped to number 21, giving Florence her first top 30 hit on the Billboard Hot 100. As of June 2016, the song had sold over 3,151,000 downloads in the United States alone. So who are the characters in the movie? Once again, I am offering my support to the Writers Guild and SAG-AFTRA. I know that the producer or the studios reached out to the Writers Guild, I think, the past two weeks uh, to reopen negotiations and nothing's really come of it. Um, So I'm hoping that the willingness to negotiate is showing some sign of the end of the strikes, but understand if that's not the case because the studios are... Up to this point, being unrealistic in saying that the writers and actors are being unrealistic. Um, So again, full support for the Writers Guild and SAG-AFTRA, wishing everyone striking very well. So our characters, we have a fully no longer likable Chris Pratt as Peter Quill. And if you don't know why we don't like him, there are many reasons, but one of which is omitting his love for his first wife and child when he posted about Mother's Day for his current wife and children. I think they have two kids now. But anyway, that's just scratching the surface of one of the reasons we don't like Chris Pratt. But he's fully no longer likable now. Peter Quill is half human, half celestial. He is the leader of the Guardians. He was abducted from Earth as a child in the 80s and raised by a group of thieves and smugglers called the Ravagers. In this movie, Quill is depressed following the appearance of a variant of his dead lover Gamora who does not share the same affection for Quill as her older version had for him, which affects his leadership of the Guardians. We haven't covered The Avengers Infinity War or Endgame yet. Don't know if we will, but just in case you were unaware, Gamora was killed in those movies. So we have a past version variant of her Zoe Saldana again as Gamora she is a member of the Guardians or was a member of the Guardians and she is an orphan from an alien world seeking redemption for her past crimes she was trained by Thanos to be his personal assassin the original version of Gamora a member of the Guardians was killed by Thanos in Avengers Infinity War and an alternate version of the character traveled to the present in Avengers Endgame Saldana reprises the latter role in the film, now serving as a leader of the Ravagers. Dave Bautista, again, is Drax the Destroyer, a member of the Guardians, and a highly skilled warrior. Vin Diesel is the voice of Groot, again, who is a tree-like humanoid. He's fully grown in this movie, and he is Rocket's companion. Bradley Cooper is Rocket, a genetically engineered raccoon-based bounty hunter, mercenary, and Master of Weapons and Battle Tactics. James Gunn said that this installment tells Rocket's story, including his background and, quote, where he's going, along with how that ties into the other Guardians and the end of this iteration of the team. The film completes a character arc that was established in Guardians of the Galaxy and Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 and continued into Infinity War and Endgame. Karen Gillan as Nebula, a member of the Guardians, a former Avenger and Gamora's adoptive sister, who similarly to her was trained by their adoptive father Thanos to be his personal assassin, who is a source of her abuse and torment. Pom Clementi as Mantis, a member of the Guardians with empathic powers and as we learned in The Guardians Christmas Special on Disney Plus, not yet discussed on the pod, but maybe in the future. She is Quill's half sister. Elizabeth Debicki uh, appears once more as Aisha, the golden high priestess and leader of the Sovereign people, a genetically engineered race who are gold and perfect and wanting to be physically and mentally impeccable. She had Adam Warlock at the end of the second movie, and he was created to destroy the Guardians. Will Poulter is Adam. Warlock, a powerful artificial being created by the Sovereign to destroy the Guardians. Given Warlock is newly born from the Sovereign's cocoon, he is, quote, basically a baby that, quote, does not understand life very well. Sean Gunn appears as Kraglin, a member of the Guardians, and Yondu's former second-in-command in in the Ravagers. I, once again, apologize for probably butchering this name, but I am trying my best. Iwuji, I really hope I said that right, is the high evolutionary who is a scientist specializing in creating hybrid creatures and rockets creator, seeking to forcibly enhance all living beings into a, quote, special race. Linda Cardellini is Lila's voice. Lila is an anthropomorphic otter who is an associate and friend of Rocket. I will probably butcher this name too. Asim Chaudhry voices Teefs, an anthropomorphic walrus and friend of Rocket. And Michaela Hoover voices Floor, an anthropomorphic rabbit and friend of Rocket. IMDb summary is still reeling from the loss of Gamora. Peter Quill rallies his team to defend the universe and one of their own. A mission that could mean the end of the Guardians if not successful. Beat by beat, there's a lot of um, going back and forth in time, if you will. So, um, yeah, just keep that in mind. As a baby raccoon, Rocket is a test subject for the high evolutionary in order to create a counter-earth populated by anthropomorphic animals. In the present, we get my second favorite needle drop in the movie with an acoustic cover of Creep by Radiohead as Rocket surveys the population of Nowhere, the Guardians new base of operations. After settling in, they are attacked by Adam Warlock, a superpowered being created out of revenge by his quote mother, the Empress of the Sovereign Aisha, for previously stealing from her people. They are ordered to bring Rocket to the High Evolutionary, who has become obsessed with retrieving his subject for the purpose of isolating and replicating Rocket's intellect. During the fight, Rocket is seriously injured, leaving the Guardians unable to tend to his wounds due to a kill switch embedded in him. The team resolves to travel to OrgoScope, the headquarters of the High Evolutionary's company OrgoCorp, in the hopes of finding an override code. While unconscious, Rocket flashes back to his time as a, as a test subject. With the High Evolutionary, he becomes friends with an otter who later names herself Lila, a walrus who later names himself Teefs and a rabbit who later names herself Floor, three of the High Evolutionaries' other test subjects. With the assistance of the Ravagers and a reluctant 2004-based Gomorrah, the Guardians infiltrate the Orgosphere and retrieve Rocket's file. However, they are attacked by the Orgosphere's guards, barely escaping after Peter Quill remotely activates the guards' jetpacks. While unconscious, Rocket remembers displaying intelligence and aptitude beyond the other animals and deduces the flaw in the anthropomorphization process, angering the High Evolutionary. The Guardians deduce that Teal, one of the High Evolutionary scientists, may have the override code stored in his memory and decide to track him down, heading toward Counter-Earth against Gamora's advice. After a small meltdown where she was denied being dropped back off with the Ravagers, Gamora unknowingly gives Aisha and Adam the coordinates to the ship the Guardians are on board. Rocket learns that Batch 89, of which he, Lila, Tiefs, and Floor are a part of, will not be part of the New Earth after the High Evolutionary perfects the formula to anthropomorphize. The High Evolutionary wants to study Rocket's brain further and requests his team prep him for surgery in the morning and incinerate the rest of Batch 89. With the help of a family of bat-like humanoids, Quill, Nebula, and Groot trace Teal to the High Evolutionary ship, while Drax and Mantis remain with Gamora and Rocket. Quill and Groot board the High Evolutionary ship, leaving Nebula behind because she is unable to board the ship due to her arm being a weapon. Rocket tells his friends that they aren't being set free and assembles a key to get him and his friends out of their cages. When the High Evolutionary suspects a, an escape attempt, he kills Lila and Raging Rocket, who mauls him but not before the High Evolutionary calls for help and Teefs and Floor are lost in the crossfire. Rocket finds a ship and escapes. Mantis unwillingly accompanies Drax to the High Evolutionary ship, which begins to launch with Quill and Groot captured on board, a process that also begins to destroy Counter-Earth. Gamora stays with Rocket, but is attacked by a pig warrior sent by the High Evolutionary, who herself is killed when Adam Warlock arrives looking for Rocket. Gamora overpowers Adam and launches the Guardian ship. Quill and Groot successfully defeat the High Evolutionary's forces on board his ship and kill Teal, jumping off with him and retrieving his memory before Gamora meets them in a field. Meanwhile, believing Quill and Groot are still on board the High Evolutionary ship, Nebula, Mantis, and Drax board the the ship to rescue them. A weakened Adam senses that his mother is in danger, but is too late to save her. On the Guardian's ship, Rocket flatlines and has a near-death experience, where he is met by Lila, Tiefs, and Floor in a King's Cross Station-like scene, a la Harry Potter, when he sacrifices himself in Deathly Hallows. Lila tells him that his time has not yet come, before Quill successfully implements the override code that revives him. Mantis, Nebula, and Drax come across hordes of imprisoned children on the High Evolutionary ship before being captured themselves and placed in a chamber with abolisks. We met the abolisks in a episode in movie two. I'm sure these are different abolisks, but same species. Mantis is able to persuade the abolisks to side with them, and the three escape the chamber before reuniting with the Guardians and overpowering the High Evolutionary's army. Kraglin and Cosmo arrive in Nowhere. Kraglin fires on the High Evolutionary's ship with Nowhere. The High Evolutionary releases his Hellspawn on Nowhere in retaliation, and Kraglin helps save Nowhere's citizens, finally mastering Yondu's arrow. Intent on retreat, the High Evolutionary's crew mutiny, but he kills them. Cosmo connects the High Evolutionary ship and nowhere with the help of Nebula and Kraglin through her powers of telekinesis, allowing the Guardians to free the captured children. After directing some of the last children to safety, Rocket discovers a litter of baby raccoons and other test subject animals, but is attacked by a deranged High Evolutionary while attempting to free them before being rescued by the Guardians. The High Evolutionary is left to perish on his ship while the animals are rescued and board nowhere along with most of the Guardians. After Cosmo is unable to hold the ships together for long enough for him to board, Quill barely escapes, beginning to freeze in space before being rescued by Adam, who was given a second chance when Drax allowed him to join the escape to nowhere. The Guardians decide to disband. Quill bestows the rank of Captain on of the Guardians upon Rocket before leaving for Earth. Mantis embarks on a journey of self-discovery with the obelisks. Gomorrah reunites with the Ravagers. Nebula and Drax remain on nowhere to raise the rescued children. Groot says he loves them, actually using the words, I love you guys, instead of saying, I am Groot. As things settle on Nowhere, Rocket hits play on the zoom that Quill gave him and hooks it up to the speakers that play all over Nowhere, leading to a dance party with our Needle Drop. Stingers are Captain Rocket is seen leading the new Guardians of the Galaxy composed of a fully grown group, Adam, Cosmo, Phyla, one of the children that was rescued, Kraglin and Blurp, Adam's pet. Quill reconnects with his grandfather on Earth. So how does this song relate to the characters and the movie? The film ends with Dog Days Are Over by Florence and the Machine. Rocket plays the song for everyone, and as the upbeat melody fills the air, group begins dancing, entertaining the children around them. Florence and the Machine frontwoman Florence Welsh posted a video to TikTok of herself reacting to the scene and the use of her song. In the clip, Welsh almost immediately begins tearing up upon hearing Dog Days Are Over. It's not hard to tear up at this movie, but I'm sure having your own song play over the end where it's happy and everyone's dancing just is an added push. In the caption to the post, she wrote, So I cried all the way through this movie, but when the Guardians of the Galaxy started dancing to Dog Days, I really lost it. Introduction. We there Several of the guardians have been running their whole lives. Peter has been running from the pain of lo- losing his mother, Yandu and Gamora. Rocket has been running from the pain of losing his first family, Lila, Teefs and Floor. Nebula has been running from the pain caused by Thanos. This version of Gamora is running from Peter and his memories of another Gamora who died. And Drax has been running from the pain as Of losing his family at the hands of Ronin. After this mission to save Rocket, the Guardians and their new friends are struck by how much happier they are now with their new family, the Guardians of the Galaxy. But that doesn't mean they don't miss their old families. It is possible to be happy and sad at once. Verse (laughs) 1. Despite what the actual lyrics say here about running, the Guardians' dog days of running are over. They're content and it's time to run into that happiness full force. A different kind of running. Chorus. Run west for your mother. Run into your happiness. Enjoy life. Life is fleeting, so enjoy it and those around you while you have them. Throughout the movie, Mantis continually asks Peter about his family left on Earth and wonders how he could have left them all those years ago and never returned. Peter finally returning to Earth and reuniting with his grandfather is a huge step. Nebula has spent so much of this trilogy and her other appearances in the wider MCU angry with the world for how she was abused and used. Finally feeling like she has a family with the Guardians and the people of Nowhere, it is time for her to be happy and lead the people of Nowhere. Nebula asks Drax for help raising the children rescued from the High Evolutionary. Although he misses his own family, these children need a strong father figure and he knows he is capable of delivering that. Bridge The Guardians banded together out of hatred of Ronin and what he was doing to the Xandarians in Volume 1. Over the years, the Guardians expanded to include Nebula, Mantis, Craglin, and Cosmo, among many others. They never wanted anything from each other except to keep the galaxy safe. But after spending so much time together, they realized they are family, and though they might fight a lot, they make each other happy at the end of the day. I think another song that could have been used here is I Feel It All by Feist. Feist is a Canadian indie pop singer-songwriter, and the song was released in 2008. It was the third single from her 2007 album, The Reminder. The song is about acknowledging and embracing the full range of emotions that come with love and relationships. Nail Meathead. It was featured in the 2008 film The Women and the 2010 film The Last Song. It was also featured in an episode of the MTV series, The Hills, in several episodes of the British television sitcom, The Inbetweeners, and in an episode of vh one celebrity series, The Fabulous Life Of. The lyrics that really stand out to me are... As we have discussed previously, the Guardians of the Galaxy movies are needle drop heaven. Um, And really the reason why most MCU entries have such great needle drops is directly tied to James Gunn and the needle drops he's used throughout the Guardians franchise. The songs are not all modern and come from Quill's Zune that he received at the end of Volume 2, although Gunn added that the soundtrack was not limited to the 1970s compared to the first two films, instead spanning multiple decades. All the songs included on the soundtrack are featured in the film for the first time. Like I mentioned, this my second favorite needle drop of the whole movie is Creep Acoustic Version by Radiohead. The film opens with this version, which provided, quote, a much different tone uh, than the other two movies. And James Gunn said that his second choice for this opening sequence was Wish You Were Here by Pink Floyd. Great song. I love James Gunn's taste in music. Another needle drop is Crazy on You, which plays as Adam flies across the galaxy to nowhere in the beginning. Do You Realize by the Flaming Lips plays as the Guardians head toward counter-Earth and Peter listens to his Zune. No Sleep Till Brooklyn by the Beastie Boys plays on Quill's Zune as the Guardians plan their attack on the high evolutionary ship and save the hordes of children there. And then at the very end of the movie, Come and Get Your Love by Redbone, a reprise from the first movie. Plays as the new Guardians discuss their favorite artists in The Stinger while seemingly on a mission. Other media, Dog Days Are Over was used for and or covers of the song. The cast of Glee performed the song in the episode Special Education in November 2010 with Jenna Ushkowitz and Amber Riley singing the lead. The cast version was also released as a digital single and charted on the Billboard Hot 100 at number 22, one space below a bounding return of the original to its post-VMA peak. In the 13th season of American Idol, it was performed by Jenna Irene. It was covered by Chinese artist, Shang Winji, I really hope I said that right. In the Chinese TV show, I Am a Singer. A finalist of Indonesian Idol season eight, Yuka Tamada. Again, I'm butchering these names and I'm so sorry. Sang it for the first week of the spectacular shows. In 2011, it was also featured on the first season of The Voice in the U.S., with Vicky Martinez singing the version along with a stage full of drummers. California-based hardcore punk band Stick to Your Guns covered the song as part of a Sumerian Records tribute compilation. Australian Dan Sultan covered the song on his 2019 album Aviary Takes. Postmodern Jukebox, a YouTube channel famous for covering pop songs in vintage styles, also uploaded a cover sung by Hannah Gill in October 2019. In September 2022, Kelly Clarkson performed a karaoke version of Florence and the Machine's Dog Days Are Over on The Kelly Clarkson Show. It was also featured on Gossip Girl Season 3, Episode 14, and Love Island Season 2, Episode 38. It was used in trailers for Slumdog Millionaire as well as Julia Roberts' Eat, Pray, Love. So it has been used and covered a lot. So, how did the needle drop affect the song? The song appeared in the finale of the 2023 film Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 and re entered some charts almost 15 years after its initial release. The movie hit theaters on May 5th, and a few days later, Dog Days Are Over started setting new personal bests, including Spotify's Daily Top Songs Global Chart for May 8th. The track made its first ever appearance on the chart, debuting at 183. On the latest Daily Chart for May 9th, the song rose to 163. Meanwhile, on the Daily US chart, Dog Days debuted at 186 on the May 7th chart, and then sat at number 128. Globally, the song was streamed a combined 2.2 million times on May 8th and 9th alone. Florence and the Machines' Dog Days Are Over reaches a new peak of 21 on the week of May 19th UK singles chart, almost 15 years after release. And I know in the, the past two episodes we've talked about how the overall Guardian soundtracks have performed throughout the years they were released But since Guardians 3 has only been out a few months and it's only August, um, we don't yet know how it is performing like we did for the first two volumes. That's all for today. Join me next time when I geek out over another needle drop. Leave a rating and review if you are so inclined. And let me know what song you want to play as you realize you're truly happy for the first time in a long time and have a dance party with your chosen family. If you're listening on Spotify, be sure to answer the question on the podcast. You can visit my podcast page on Spotify, link in the show notes, and leave me a voice message if you're so inclined. And don't forget to follow the podcast on Instagram at Needledrops Podcast and TikTok Needledrops Podcast. Still no content on TikTok, but there will be soon. I'm working on it. This podcast is hosted, produced, and edited by me, Francis. Social media support also provided by me. Thank you for listening. And please, please, please don't forget to share needle drops that will change your life with someone in your life that you think would appreciate it. If you are feeling extra generous, again, I would absolutely love and appreciate you so much for leaving a rating and review of the podcast on whichever platform you prefer. Word of mouth and reviews really, really help new podcasts. I'll see you next time. Thanks, guys. Thank you.